Good evening and welcome to Hope Community Church, Lower Town. Glad you're here. Uh, I know uh, that uh, Easter at 6.07 p.m. is a hard time to go worship. Um, I know a lot of people are probably with family and friends. Um, historically, as a church, because of our age and our demographic, we have um, uh, usually gone down in attendance usually on Christmas and Easter, which is usually kind of weird, but that's how it, how it works. Uh, but we're thankful for that, and we're glad that it just turned down a little bit. Sorry. I say that to him every time, and I, I don't know why. Um, I don't like hearing myself in my mind. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. Um, but anyways, happy Easter. I'm glad you're able to be here. Um, I actually was able to come here this morning and worship uh, at First Baptist, and um, there was, uh, it was packed, actually. It was, there was people in the balcony. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and uh, they had three different congregations that were part of it as far as First Baptist Church, their English service, First Baptist Church, and their Korean church. That was the majority of the people, and then um, uh, the First Burma Christ Church that was here. And uh, so they did the scripture readings in three different languages, and they did a lot of their uh, choir pieces and songs in three different uh, languages. Uh, it was interesting. They, they uh, played the organ, uh, you know, the uh, Gary, you know, the guy that, you know, old uh, white man from First Baptist Church plays the organ and uh, did a phenomenal job. And then, and then we have these two Corinne that came up here and just blew on some horns, and they hit a gong, and it was awesome. Uh, just seeing the different cultures come together and uh, be, able to be able to be part of that and worship with them. And, and uh, probably the coolest part of the morning was they actually baptized uh, 12 people uh, in the baptismal right behind me. And that was just exciting. It's always exciting to see uh, people be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and, and put their hope in him. And, and uh, Pastor Bill from First Baptist even said, there's nothing really I could say that is going to speak any more truth than what we've just witnessed in the baptismals. And of people dedicating their life to Christ and saying this is an outward reality, um, an outward uh, recognition and symbol of an inward reality. So it was really a lot of fun to be be part of that. Um, tonight, uh, it's going to be a little different. It's a special service being Easter, and so therefore we're going to do things in a little uh, different special order. Normally we sing at the beginning and do some announcements, but I'm just going to do that now. Uh, and then we're just going to kind of just integrate uh, scripture reading and, and prep me giving a little bit of commentary uh, with, with some music. And so I hope tonight will be refreshing for you, and I hope that it will be able to point you to Jesus who is alive. Uh, and there's a couple times I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this throughout the evening, and, and if you got a handout when you came in, it's, it's on there, but um, that traditionally when people say, he is risen or Christ is risen, uh, then we will all just reply, he is risen indeed. Okay, so we'll, we'll practice that now. He is risen Amen. All right, so we're going to be doing that throughout as we read scripture and as we sing some of these songs. Um, there's going to be a new uh, song, special one that uh, actually Zach here uh, arranged, um, which is exciting. It's our second song that we've arranged here. We start our own little Hope, Hope Lower Town hymns. Yeah. Amazing. There's a lot of, lot of talent uh, behind me, and I, I'm very thankful for them. Um, will you just bow your head with me as we pray and as we get into uh, the service tonight? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for Thank you for everything you've done. I thank you that, that as I speak now, in, in spite of my sin and my shortfalls, uh, that you hear me and you can listen uh, because of Christ, because he is alive, because he is seated on a throne of power and authority, and, um, and that he cares for us, and that he sees our weaknesses and our downfalls because he's human, and he is still in human flesh. And so, God, I, I thank you for that. And I pray now that your spirit would just be present with us. I pray that the 
the words that we sing as we lift them up, the, the notes that are played and, 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 the, and the scripture that's read uh, would be edifying to us as a body, as your bride, as the church, and also bring you honor and glory that is due your name. And so, God, I pray now that you would just be um, uh, the focus of all of our attention tonight without distraction. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to do it with my clicker. Do you have it? <laughs> oh, I got it. That's why you don't wear suits. <laughs> got extra pockets. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a journey tonight. Uh, we did something similar last year for Easter, and so I just want to kind of do that again in a, in a shorter, maybe uh, abridged version. But I want to take a journey through the Bible. And, and if this is your first time hearing this, I hope that this will be uh, awesome and fun to realize that Scripture is not just a bunch of random little stories told, uh, that they are actually, uh, if you can think of it as, as a necklace of pearls that are beautifully uh, woven together by one major theme, which is the story of Jesus Christ giving himself for us. And so uh, the way that, that I describe this, and this is something that uh, we, we use the, the similar language at Hope, but I've been saying this forever. Uh, my wife used to work for this company that, that kind of puts all this stuff together called Spread Truth Ministries, but they describe it as creation, the fall, the rescue, and restoration. And looking at those four key things as they happen in creation, the fall happened in Genesis, up to Genesis 3. And then after that, the rest of the Bible is all pointing to the rescue and then at the end, very tail end of the Bible, we see um, restoration of all things. And so we're going to kind of be doing that tonight as we look at these things. And so just going back to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see this beautiful creation. And if you've been coming to Lower Town at all for a while, you know that I like to use this uh, imagery of that everything was in harmony. There was harmony between mankind and mankind or mankind and woman. Uh, the Bible says they were naked and unashamed, that they were just completely able to have a, a, an openly blunt conversation and not fear any uh, ramifications or, or repercussions of that. And they were completely in harmony with each other. They were in harmony with, with nature, that there was no death, there was no killing, there was nothing of that sort. They were able to walk around and, and name animals that, that would kill us today. Uh, there was um, harmony there, but most importantly, there was harmony between mankind and God. And it says that God actually walked with them in the cool of the day. And I, I can't even begin to imagine what that was like to have God with them. I mean, physically in their presence, walking with them, talking with them. But that harmony didn't last very long. And as you know the story where Eve is tempted by the serpent and by Satan and is tempted to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And she eats it and her husband is idly standing by there and doesn't uh, say anything otherwise, and we have the fall. And Satan does something there that that sly serpent has done for thousands of years. And the first thing that he accuses Eve, when he talks to Eve, is he says, did God really say that you will surely die? I mean, think about it. You think about your own temptations, your own struggles in life. I mean, that, isn't that the thing that we hear did, did God really say don't lust? Did God really say you can't hate? I mean, that, that person's an idiot. I mean, they're just, they're a fool. Did God really say we can't? Did God, yes, he did. And that's the first thing we hear when we want to give in temptation, just like Eve, and he has been doing the same exact thing for thousands of years. And so we have the fall, and sin shows up. But even in that fall, when God said, you will surely die, he shows mercy. That they aren't physically wiped off the face of the earth in that moment. 
They are granted freedom and mercy in that, but yet they are clothed, their nakedness, their shame is clothed with the bloody sacrifice of an animal to cover them. And that's what we see happening. And every time that there's going to be sin and death and sadness, that when God comes in and makes a covenant with his people, it always requires a bloody sacrifice. Every time. So we see this promise that is made then all the way back in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, 15. It says this, I will put, this is after the fall, after the curse, this is part of the curse that, that God is giving towards the serpent. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And if you notice there, just to get into the language, everything's plural. In between your offspring, multiple, and hers, multiple offsprings. But then he switches, the narrator here switches to a singular. But he, singular, will crush your head, and you, serpent, specifically, will strike his heel. So theologians call the proto-evangelium, the first announcement of the gospel is all the way back in Genesis 3.15. That all the way back there, God says, I'm going to send somebody and he's going to crush you, snake. But you will bruise him. It will hurt. And we see the fall. We see darkness cover the land. We see the curse that comes over our world. As we move along and we see the creation and we see the fall and we see this promise being made. And we move along into Hebrews chapter 9, and there's a lot of scripture that I'm, I'm skipping here, um, probably a good, uh, you know, 76 books of the Bible that we're going to skip, but, but there's so much history wrapped into the book of Hebrews. It's, it's a phenomenal book here, and as we see the history that, that, that is unfolded throughout the Old Testament, and if, and if you have any more questions about what happens in this covenant and the old covenant and everything that happens, uh, we spent a good 50 weeks preaching the book of Exodus, and, and so much of that is wrapped up in this book of Hebrews. So I want to read these, uh, these verses here. This is Hebrews chapter 9, 11 through 12. It says this, But when Christ came as high priest, of the good things that are now already here, he went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, not part of this creation. The comparison there is going back to the tabernacle that was made with human hands. There's something better. There's something greater about the sacrifice of Jesus. Verse 12, he did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, another bloody sacrifice that needed to happen to, to cover the sins. It says, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that, so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So everybody passed pre-Jesus Christ on the cross that all of their sins, if they believed in the promises of, of the Father and of Jesus Christ, their sins were then forgiven under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. 
because a will is in force only when somebody has died. This is true of us, that if we have a will, that it only comes into action after we die. It never takes effect while the one who is made is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of the calves, and together with the water, scarlet wool, and the branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all of the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood, the tabernacle, and everything used in its ceremonies. And what he's saying, what he's doing here, he's ceremonially cleansing the temple and the sins of the people and saying, you're going to be cleansed by the blood of this bull. But we all know that an animal's blood cannot take away our sins. And it says in verse 22, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That there must be the shedding of the blood. And as those centuries unfold, and as we look at the Old Testament, specifically we look at the Passover meal, that, that, uh, uh, that Jewish cultures and, and Israelites are celebrating Passover, that this, was, this has been happening for thousands of years. And in the Old Testament, in Exodus, when, when the, 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 the death angel was going to pass over them, that they were to take the blood of an innocent, unblemished lamb, they were to take a hyssop branch, dip it in that blood, and cover the doorpost and the mantle of their door, and so that when this angel saw that there was blood on the door, he would pass over them. And God the Father, Yahweh, shows up and he says, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to have this meal. You're going to eat this meal together as a family and as a community, and that was happening for thousands of years until Jesus shows up. And Jesus is now having that same exact meal with his disciples in the, in the room, in the upper room. But then as he's sitting there having his meal, he changes everything. He says, we're not going to eat the, the lamb. We're not going to do this thing with the blood. What we're going to do tonight, everybody, is I'm going to open and I'm going to break this bread in front of you. And this bread that you're going to eat is going to be my body, which is broken for you. This juice, this fruit of the vine, is going to represent my blood, which is shed for you. And he changes thousands of years of history of Passover and says, that Passover lamb is pointing to me in my body, in my blood. So take and eat. And as often as you take and you eat this, it does, you do this in remembrance of me. And Jesus institutes a new sacrificial meal of the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper, we see Christ's body and blood, not the blood of an animal. Luke 25, 1 through 12 says this. On the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Jesus had been laying in the grave since Friday night. Very early in the morning, the women took the spices which they had prepared and went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that were gleaming like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. And remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. 
when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the, the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother, Mary and the mother of James, and the others with them that told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed like they were nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. And bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And Jesus said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And we had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave them a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you, I was still with you, that everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. He is risen. So up until this point, I think a lot of times this story sounds too good to be true. It sounds good or it sounds like a nice fairy tale. Maybe there was some guy named Jesus that died and maybe his body went missing. But, but the reality is we're sinners and we're broken. We're in need of a Savior a Savior that had to be truly human, a Savior that had to be truly God, that had to shed his blood for you out of love. It is the only thing that can forgive us of our sins. And as we look at Romans chapter 5, this is our condition. Today, just as true as it's ever been, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 and 15 through 17 says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all have sinned. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. What my good friend Martin Luther calls this great exchange. That I have my sin and my wickedness and I take off those robes and I give them to Jesus and he takes off his righteousness and he gives it to me and I'm clothed in him. And so that when my father looks at me, no longer am I short of his glory. No longer does he see me as a sinner. He sees me 
as forgiven son. For if by the trespasses of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, because he is risen. As we now move into the end of making all things new, the restoration of all things, I want to look at, at the book of Revelation, and this is Jesus' revelation that he gives to the Apostle John that he writes that we're able to read. And there's some wild things that sometimes we can read in this book, but I think John and Jesus are trying to communicate very simple truths, and that is Jesus reigns, and he's alive. And so let's read that from Revelation 5, 1 through 14. It says this, I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. This would be God the Father seated on his throne, and he's got this, this scroll wrapped up, and there's seven kingly wax seals on there that are sealed shut that, that no one can open. And moving on, it says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open that scroll or even look inside it. That's our condition. And I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. You see, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures, the 20 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. You are worthy to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people from all nations and you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering the thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousand. And they encircled the one they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were singing, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and under the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever and the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down 
and worshiped. And as we go to the end of the book in Revelation chapter 1, as Jesus is now seated on his throne, it says five times in just a couple verses that God was with them and he, is, he will be their God and they will be his people and he will dwell among them the same exact language as it was all the way in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3 that he will walk with us. And as we look at Jesus then coming in the tabernacle, and he tabernacled the Holy Spirit and God the Father tabernacled among with his people throughout the Old Testament. And then Jesus' name, Emmanuel, God with us, literally tabernacled with his people. And then at the end, when he makes all things new, as he's sitting on his throne, he says, behold, I make all things new. In a moment, we're gonna take communion, same way we do every week here at Hope Lower Town. We're going to sing songs and we're going to lift up and just rejoice and just praise God and, and, and be loud, right? It's, it's okay. I mean, God, if we've learned anything just from these couple of verses in Revelation, God likes it loud, right? I mean, he, it's this loud thing, this, loud that, they sang in a loud voice. So let's lift our voices and let's sing and let's pray. Let's repent of, of sins, whether it's a community or corporate sin or individual sin. Uh, there is a gluten-free option on this side if you need it. But let's remember this sacrificial sacrifice and the sacrificial uh, 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 meal that Jesus instituted thousands of years ago. That instead of the blood and the body of, a, of an animal, that it represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, the only one who could take away the sins of the world. You don't need to be a member here or at any, any church. All we would ask is that you're just a follower of Jesus. And if you say, yes, I follow Jesus, then we would ask and we would love to have this meal with you together this evening. And maybe you've never done this. Maybe you've never taken the Lord's Supper. Maybe you say, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know this story. I just thought this was all just, just crazy talk. But looking after thousands of years of history and looking at, I feel this pull in my heart that I need a Savior to forgive me of my sins, that I have fallen short of something, even though I didn't know what that was, that maybe tonight can be your first time having these elements with us. So will you bow in prayer as we commune with one another over these elements, as we lift up our voices and as we pray to a Father and to a Son and to a Spirit that is worthy of our praise. Heavenly Father, right now you are seated on a throne. You're not pacing around worrying about anything that's going on in any one of our lives. You are in control. And we may look at this and say, how, how is this possible? Why is this happening? That we can always look to the cross. And we can say, but Jesus, he died for me and he died for my sins and I do not deserve that. So God, thank you. You are good and you are loving. So loving that you sent your son, your only son, to die for us and to cleanse us from our sins, our unrighteousness, that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. So God, will you hear our prayers? Will you hear our voices as we sing? Hear our thoughts as we reflect them back to you in a way that magnifies you and brings you honor and glory because you are alive and well. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray to you, almighty God, amen.